When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. What is up, College Lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 207 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Hoost. I'm uh, coming at this a little bit late here. We've got the Rona running through my household. So far, I'm the only person in my household that hasn't tested positive, but I've got two kids that are positive, a wife who is almost surely going to be by tomorrow, so I'm still dodging the bullet. Uh, so I wanted to get this show out today, though, even though I was a day late, uh, just so I could kind of put on record what my picks are for this week. And I'll even run through and do a, a stupid um, uh, my bracket, but I'm not going to commit myself to what I end up saying uh, for this bracket because I do want to pick the games week by week, obviously, as we go through the tournament. So without further ado, as always, be sure to like, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening, go to YouTube and subscribe. We're like just about 20 subscribers away from getting to 10,000 subscribers. So if you can get to YouTube for us, subscribe, that'd be dope. Otherwise, you can go to laxfactor.com, support us that way. We have swag, t-shirts, and all that crap. Let's see here. Boom. There's a t-shirt you can get. There's some shorts and stuff you can get. Uh, But I digress. Let us dive into this now as I want to talk about the Maryland and Vermont game first. Now, overall, I think in terms of the seeding, I think for the most part, they got it right. I'm not going to argue and I'm not going to go into, oh, this, these, these guys should have been seated here, this and that. I'm just going to talk about the two teams a little bit and then the game and we'll go from there. So we have this game right here, Maryland and Vermont, the 12 p.m. game on that is Sunday. So if we kind of hop in here and we'll look this, I think they got this one right. No one but Maryland should have been the number one. You know, that's just the way it was. This is going to mark the second year in a row that Vermont is going to face Maryland in the first round of the NCAA tournament. If we come here and we'll look at this from Vermont's perspective for 2021, you see here they lost 17 to 11. I felt like it was a pretty solid showing. The bulk of these guys are all back here. I think Lewandowski is the only one that's not. So, I mean, you got McConvey back, Klosterman back. Uh, I believe McCormick is still there too. Let's see. Um, Oh, Lamogue. Yep. McCormick's still here. So, I mean, you see, it's the usual suspect. These guys are familiar with Maryland. They played Maryland tough already. So I think that that's a a big deal. And I think that's going to go a long way for them. The only problem I think that ends up coming into play here is Maryland is really good. Uh, I made the argument that this wasn't the same team Vermont team as last year. And that I was wrong. I mean, what I was saying when I said that really was that they started really rough in their out of conference schedule before then just rattling. Oh, I'm in the wrong season here. They started really off in their non-conference schedule here compared to what you saw last year because they, it ended up being that they beefed it up. I paid attention, but I wasn't paying as close attention. So I just wanted to point that out. I talked to someone on Twitter back and forth about it. And I admitted wrong. As I looked at their schedule, I was like, well, I could see that. I mean, they lost to Duke. Utah's a solid team. They would have liked that one back. I bet you they'd be able to beat Utah now. Uh, They lose to Brown. No harm there. Now, the Dartmouth loss was a bad one. I wouldn't be happy with this Providence loss. UMass, solid team. But then you see, once they got their shit together, they they have just won a boatload of games. Now, the America East is down. Binghamton was good. Stony Brook was decent. Um, You know, but they didn't light the world on fire 
outside of conference, but once they got to their conference play, they pretty much just rolled through everything. So this is a very good Vermont team. You could even make the argument they're better than they were last year. Although I think that they're, I, th- I think they're probably about the same. I think you're not seeing Burke have as quite as much success as he did facing off last year. Uh, and I'm just saying that off hip. It just doesn't seem like he dominated the competition, even though he's, you know, still one of the best three face-off men in the country, in my opinion. But I think overall, this Vermont team is in, in line with what they were last year. You can make the argument they're a little bit better even than they were last year. With this Maryland team, on the other hand, Jared Bernhardt, not there anymore, but this Maryland team is brutal. Offensively, I haven't seen a team play this efficiently offensively. You look at what these guys do from a, a, a shooting percentage standpoint. Wisnowski's 48%, Keegan Kahn, 52 Donville, 42 Maliver, 42 DeMeo is, is like the trash shooter on the team with a 31% shooting percentage. I mean, that's that's better than some teams' best shooters. So, I mean, you just look at what they're doing up and down the roster. Murphy, 42. Brennan, 42. They're getting excellent quality shooting even down their roster. Even a D-mid like Robin, Robin Puglesi is 9-2 and two on the season with a 56% shooting percentage. So I think that that's where we're going to see Vermont not be able to cope. This is a Maryland team that is different. Last year, you had a, a handful of guys that could beat you really badly, and they did a lot of beating guys on the dodge, a lot of dodging that results in created, sh- you know, in good looks and things like that on feeds after the slides come. This Maryland team just runs this motion offense, no, positionless offense. Dudes are just everywhere. Dudes are dodging from out top. You got attack when dodging from out top and behind. Mids dodging out from behind. Mids dodging from you know goal line extended. It does not matter. And uh, this is one of the most efficient, talented offensive teams I've ever seen in my life, which is why they're 14-0 here at this point. So uh, all of that really long explanation in the end, five minutes of rambling, just to say that I really do think that Maryland, even though Vermont's solid, Vermont deserves to be there. And I hope that Vermont upsets Maryland just so we could have some insane parity. I do think that Maryland's going to win this game by eight goals or more. I think that it might be a slow burn to eight goals or more, but I think that Maryland is going to be pumped up. This Maryland team has been playing like the underdog, like they have a chip on their shoulders all year long, and I think that's going to continue through this tournament, and I think it's going to be a rough outing for some teams early here in these, in the, you know, they have to play them in the first round and second round. Uh, Manhattan, they would have beat by 20 in the playoffs. It would have been a nightmare. So Maryland by eight or more. Give or take here. I'm saying eight or more is kind of what I'm really thinking is going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a five-goal game, seven-goal game, but I think eight is about the right number for this one. Now, the next one we need to talk about here is the Georgetown. This the two-seed. This is the Sunday night. It's the nightcap game on Sunday. Georgetown against Delaware. Delaware's had a nice season here. If we kind of pop in here. And we look what they've done. They got in this area. You know, they lose to Duke. They lose to Michigan. And actually, that one right there, I was talking about how Delaware was the best team Michigan had played at that point. Michigan beating Delaware like they did made me a a semi-believer of Michigan at that point before Michigan then didn't win a game the rest of the season. But... You know, that was a that was a bad loss there. This was not a bad loss. Then they lose to Villanova. They'd like that one back. UMass, solid team. This is the loss that stings that stings Delaware probably the most is losing to Hofstra there. But then hey, look at they've won six in a row here. And uh Ty Kurtz has been an animal 
as they've been doing that. Now, I'm rooting for Delaware in this game. I think that Maryland, no chance they get upset, I don't think. Georgetown, I think there is a very, I think there's very, very little chance that Delaware is going to be able to upset them and even to a degree stay close by the end of the game. But I do love rooting for Kurtz Ward and Robinson on the offense. They are a fun crew to watch. But I think, like, in terms of their kryptonite, Delaware attacks kryptonite. Georgetown with Bowen Smith, Mazzone, McElroy and company. I mean, Georgetown's defense, if anyone's going to be able to hold Delaware down, you look at J.P. Ward here, 69 points. Mike Robinson, 64 points. Ty Kurtz, 61 points. And Kurtz has been on an absolute tear here, as we talked about, here to end the season out. We look at it four and two, three and two, six goals, three and one against Robert Morris. So Kurtz, very good player, but that uh, Delaware is a very formidable offensive team here. And uh, let's see what they've got from the goalie situation. Yeah, you know, not not what Georgetown has. You look at McElroy versus Kilkiri, and uh, not the same thing here. Kilkiri still fifty two percent. That's respectable. He'd need to be hot, but McElroy just goes out and plays solid all the time. And then at the faceoff dot, James Riley. I'm a big fan of Riley's because he puts up some points and he wins sixty percent of his draws. And you see, Delaware has not been great at the faceoff dot all season, and they've just been had a revolving door of dudes they've been trying all season long. What I like about James Riley though is you're going to see him down here five and five on the season in terms of points while winning. 60% of his face-off, so I love that. Uh, but Graham Bundy Jr., Dylan Watson, Alex Trippy, TJ Haley, Connor Morin, Dylan McDermott, I mean, Declan McDermott, Dylan Hess, all these guys can score all the way up and down the roster here. They're getting help from Trippy and Morin in terms of, of transfers, and rumor has it Tucker Dordovic and is going to end up at Georgetown, and actually Georgetown was the one I assumed. I figured Dordovic probably wouldn't go to an ACC team, which really left Maryland, Rutgers, and Georgetown as the contenders if he wants to go to a good grad school and then win, and Georgetown made the most sense to me because they're losing a lot of talent, and he could kind of step in and play. But anyway... Uh, I like I like Georgetown in this one. In the end, I think Delaware, I think they're going to score goals. I think they'll score goals in spurts. I think this may be like the like the Maryland game where maybe Georgetown gets hot. Maybe even Delaware comes out hot. But Georgetown in the end is going to slow burn this, I think, to a 7-plus margin by the end of this game. I think they'll take it. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was 10-plus. But I'm going with 7 goals or so, but really 7 and up. Next one. We're going to talk about Penn and Richmond. Where the heck are they here? Actually, let me get a sip of my beer here. Ah, juice by my PA. It was really my only selection at the moment. Um, Penn and Richmond down here. The three-seed Penn taking on Richmond. Now, these teams are very similar here. I actually dig them both. Now, Penn, I think Penn's certainly the favorite in this one, but this is my first kind of upset alert level game that I'm putting out here as we go through the seeds one through eight. Both teams played Duke and Georgetown. Richmond Richmond lost to them both. Penn lost to Georgetown, but they beat Duke. They probably have other like opponents. I don't care. I think Penn is legitimately the favorite, but Richmond has been playing much better lacrosse. The Spiders have won five straight games en route to this showdown with Penn. That includes wins over High Point and Jacksonville in the SoCon uh, tournament, or they actually they beat uh, Jacksonville in the SoCon finals is what they did. And if we kind of take a look here and we look, you know, they had a rough go, but I mean, their losses to Carolina, to Duke, to Georgetown, and to Jacksonville. And then they handled their business through the rest of the season with a revenge win over Jacksonville, and they beat High Point twice in that stretch here. Now, if we look at Penn's, 
You know, similar losses early in the season. They lose to Georgetown, Princeton, Yale, Brown. No shame in those four losses. And then likewise, they've now won a bunch straight with wins over, you know, Harvard, uh, St. Joe's, another tournament team, Brown, Yale. So Penn, they're looking solid as well. In the end, and I think offensively, these teams match up and look very similar. Like if, if you kind of look at the point totals now, we've got higher point totals on the Richmond side and the Penn side, but they've played a few more games. But then you see we have two guys above 60 here, only one guy above 60 on this side. It evens out. Penn, uh, Richmond, I think, definitely a little bit more formidable in terms of scoring, but they've played a much weaker schedule with Penn having to play the Ivy and all that crap, even though they score a boatload. Sam Hanley's been really hot lately as well. He has looked solid. You kind of see here point totals pretty good here through the beginning of the season. 11-point game against Princeton. And then he, you know... Uh, Hit a lull here towards the end of the season against St. Joe's, two points, U Albany, three points, but then Brown and Yale, seven, three and four against Brown, three and two against Yale. So Hanley's ready to go uh, for sure. And uh, Hanley's going to be the best player on the field, I would presume, in this game. But in the end, uh, let's see here. I think it'll be close. I'm trying to look at my notes again. I think it'll be close at times, but Penn will eventually win by three to five goals. That's what I'm putting in my notes. I do like Penn to win. I think it's going to be close. I think it might even go back and forth a little bit, but I do think Penn will eventually win by a three-goal to five-goal spread. I needed to range that. Uh, while Richmond's been excellent lately, I just think Penn's been a little bit better, a little bit more battle-tested with that Ivy League schedule, and then a really solid out-of-conference schedule where Richmond's been playing slightly softer teams down the stretch than Penn has. So that's what I'm going with on that one. Next one, St. Joseph's and Yale. If we look at it here, that's the 5 o'clock game tomorrow on Saturday. And, you know, this is another game where I think the Ivy has the definite advantage. Uh, I think that um, they've been playing better lacrosse, but obviously St. Joe's isn't a slouch, you know, sitting at 14-3. and three. Uh, They've uh, won 10 of their last 11 games. Their last loss was a 13-12 heartbreaker to Penn. But uh, St. Joe's path to their conference tournament was not as brutal as Yale's overall. They had to beat Merrimack, LIU, and then Hobart to close out the season and then clinch this NCAA berth. Yale, on the other hand, they've been playing some pretty solid offense, high-scoring offense. They beat Harvard to end the regular season, a 17-16 thriller, not a lot of defense on display. Then they took down Cornell in the Ivy League semis, 14-11. But even that game didn't feel all that close. I felt like Yale controlled it. They lost to Penn. And then played one of their in in one of the roughest games they've played uh, all season. I expect a big bounce back. I think Yale wins this game legitimately in the end by six or seven goals. I think they'll pull away from St. Joe's. I think St. Joe's will probably score some late to maybe get it back to within six or seven goals. But I think that six or seven goal margin is pretty reasonable given what these two teams have done. Now the reason being too because you know some St. Joe's faithful are going to be like, hey, look at what we did, fourteen and three, baby. And it's like, yes, but. Brandau is just too damn good. Brandau's now been slighted, was not named a Twarton finalist. He is going to be one pissed off uh, uh, dude. And I think that offensively, Brandau and company have just done well. Look what Brandau's done with a lot of young guys, a lot of young guys that don't even know enough to be dumb. So I think that Yale's going to end up coming out hot, play crazy, and I think that they're going to handle St. Joseph's by the end of this game. Especially because Jared uh, uh, Paquette has been tough and serviceable in cage for Yale. Um, so let us ditch this one. And then the next one, we got to talk about Boston University at Princeton. And, uh, you know, 
the Ivies, they just the draws obviously as we get down to seeds, they just kept keep getting a little bit tougher. Boston U is a solid lacrosse team. They can score goals. They play solid on the defensive end of the field as well. They've played a fairly tough schedule in terms of their conference is pretty brutal. Uh Princeton, they kind of limped into the postseason. They lost to Harvard and Cornell in their final two regular season contests and then failed to even qualify for the Ivy League tournament after having a hell of of a start to the season here. You kind of look at what they did. Boom, lose to Maryland, but then they turn around, beat Georgetown, Rutgers, and Penn in three games back to back to back before losing to Yale. But then they rattle off another four wins and then they lose the final two of the season. So they're kind of limping into the playoffs. Not great for them. Boston U, they lost to Army by a goal on April 29th, but then beat Lehigh in the Patriot League semis and got revenge against the Black Knights in the finals, winning 14-10 to to get to the tournament. So they, they've, they're battle-tested as well. The trio of Vince Dalto, Timmy Lay, and Louis Perfetto is a problem. They've put up 75, 74, and 65 points respectively, as you see here. And uh, between the three of them, and every one of them is a dual threat. Each one can score, dish the rock, playoff ball, you name it. All three of them can do it, as you see these point totals here. But then on Princeton's side, Chris Brown, uh, Slusher has been incredible, has been just an incredible scoring attackman for them. So you kind of see that, you know, Mackesy and company, they can get the job done as well for Princeton. Uh, I think the key here is Princeton's already beaten the Terriers once. So, I mean, that happens in that game. Uh, Eric Peters went for 14 saves against seven goals against a 67% stop rate. I think Princeton won that game. It was what? 12 to seven. Peters been at or below 40% between the pipes in their last two outings. If he has another off day and finishes below 40%, this is going to be a dogfight. I think Princeton could still win it, but it'll be a dogfight. If he stands tall and he stops 50% or more of the shots that he faces, Princeton's going to win this game. If he stops 65% of the shots that he faces, Princeton will win this game by a margin, probably even a bigger margin than they won the regular season matchup between these two. So I like Princeton in this one. I'm going to say Princeton by four goals. I don't think they're going to roll it. I think Boston used tough and scrappy, uh, and I think that Peters may be above 50%, but may not get up to that 60% threshold. So I think it's going to be four-goal four goal game. Let's see if I'm right on that one. Rutgers and Harvard. As we look at this one, where is that game? That is the 5 o'clock game on Sunday, Rutgers and Harvard. I think that in the end, this one I get to pick against an Ivy. I've been kind of picking Ivies as the favorites. This one I'm picking against the Ivy as the favorite. Harvard lacks in quality wins. They beat Brown, Boston U, and Princeton. Rutgers, on the other hand, holds wins over Army, Ohio State twice, Loyola, eh, and then maybe the resumes aren't all that different in terms of quality wins. I think that where this is different for me, I think Rutgers has more depth throughout each position. Harvard's solid all over the field, but Rutgers is just a little bit more solid. For Harvard, I'm a fan of Sam King and company on attack. You look at what Sam King's done over here as a first year, 24 and 19, a hell of a season for him so far. But I like Ross Scott, Mitch Bartolo, and Ronan Jacoby just a little bit more, uh, a much more veteran group of guys for damn sure. And then for Harvard, they have six guys listed on the roster as attack running midfield, you know, running various positions, midfield and such. And they all have put up more than 20 points in 12 games. They have guys willing to step up. Botkiss, Cheek, Gaffney, Loring have all been tough all above the 20-point threshold. But for Rutgers, Shane Knobloch here, sitting here at 42 points. He's been a monster. Brian Cameron, a senior leader. Ryan Gallagher has been solid. Wherever Harvard has a strength, 
Rutgers, I think, is capable of matching with a little bit more experience, and that's why I like Rutgers in this. On defense, that's where I really like Rutgers. Uh, Ethan Rawl, Jared John Felix, Bobby Russo, Bryant Boswell, their defensive depth is just more impressive overall, I think, than Harvard's. And then in cage, Colin Kirst, 53%. I think that's a down year for him just about in terms of his save percentage. I like him better. He's a Kirst. Kirsts are just big-time ballers and play great in the tournament. Kyle Mullen for Harvard, no slouch. If we come into here and look at the goalie stats, you see 52% compared to 53%, and Mullins playing in the Ivy, whereas Rutgers probably doesn't even play as tough a conference schedule as Harvard does. Eh, they probably do by tournament time, but we'll see. But anyway, yeah, I still like Rutgers. I still like Rutgers because I think Curse is the X factor. I like Rutgers. In fact, I like them enough that I'm going to say Rutgers by four in this one. I think Harvard will be pesky. I think Rutgers could even build a lead and then have Harvard kind of chip back a little bit towards the end to get back to within four or so late, but I do like Rutgers in this game. Next up, Cornell versus Ohio State. Number seven, Cornell, in terms of seeding. The last time these two met, everyone was hyped uh, because OSU was coming off wrecking UNC, uh, but then Cornell handled the Buckeyes in Ithaca and ended up pulling away with a three-goal win. But I didn't—I don't—if I recall the game correctly, I don't think it felt that close. Uh, Cornell lost three of their final four games. They lost to. I, I don't even know what AY means here in my notes. I'm wondering if it meant Yale. Yeah, they lost. Oh no, they lost to Army and Brown. Then they beat Princeton, and then they lost to Yale in the Ivy League semis. Ohio State, they split their last four games, losses to Maryland and Rutgers. Not terrible. And if uh, actually, if we just go in here and we look at it, you can see, yeah, you know, they lose to Maryland. That's not bad. They beat Penn State and Hopkins leading into that Maryland game. They beat Michigan the regular season finale. They beat Michigan the weekend after in the big uh, quarters. Then they lost to Rutgers in the semis. So, you know, not, nothing terrible here. But again, I call the Ivy the obvious favorite, I think, in this one, partly just because the head-to-head Cornell has already beat them and handled them. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, John Piatelli, he's got 12 goals in addition Cornell's last three games. That's not bad. Uh, but Jack Myers has eight goals and nine assist, uh, assists in Ohio State's last three. Prediction, whichever of these two guys has more points in this game, their team that person's team is going to win. And if we actually look at the game earlier in the year, I believe that played out. John Piatelli, four goals. What did our boy Jack Myers do? One goal. I think it'll play out that way again, except I do not think Jack Myers, I think both these guys will have a hat trick plus. I think the guy that has more points, his team wins the game. And that's what we're going to say. That's my hot take. It's my hot take for that one. Last game here to talk about, Virginia at Brown. Now, by design, Brown got the shittiest draw. You're the eight seed. You're going to get the shittiest draw. Uh, the two-time defending national champs, Virginia, are not an easy get here. Now, I'd call UVA the favorite in this one overall, especially because of their playoff experience. Brown has won five, stri- five straight games. No. Yeah, Brown has won five straight games before losing to Penn in their last outing. That includes wins over Penn, Yale, Cornell, and Bryant, and Dartmouth. Uh, UVA's won four of their last five. The only loss was a 17-8 beatdown to the, at the hands of Duke. UVA, they also lost to Richmond prior to that l- losing to Duke there. That's not great, but Richmond, at least uh, another tournament team. Now, I think this one's going to be crazy. I'm taking the over in terms of the point total in this one. I think it's going to be a dogfight. UVA's having to play on the road at Brown, and everybody says that's a very tough place to play. 
I like UVA's depth. I like UVA's experience. As with many of these teams, if you go down and compare them on paper, UVA's roster, just in terms of name power, is a little bit more impressive. But Brown gets shit done. They have the people's goalie, Connor Theriault, however the hell you pronounce his name. I've heard it all sorts of different ways, so stay off me on that. But he really is the people's goalie. He's capable of getting hot and turning into a wall. But, you know, Noons, he's no chump. You look at Noons here. He's got a 50% save percentage, not the, uh, not the, the people's goalies percentage, but I still like UVA overall. I think UVA's got a better defense, a more talented and athletic defense. I think that's going to cause problems for Brown. I think that UVA is going to play fast, loose. They've got the experience and the anger. They're coming in as an underdog when they're the two-time defending national champs. And they've got Petey fucking LaSala. Also, 61% at the faceoff dot. Brown has not been that great at the faceoff dot. So I'm taking UVA because they have Petey fucking LaSala. They've got an athletic defense. And then offensively, Connor Schellenberger and company, they get shit done. So I'm picking UVA in a close game. I think this is going to be a three-goal game on this one. So that's it. That is my preview for the first week. I told you I might go through the rest of the brackets. I'm not even going to do that here in this one. I just wanted to preview these games and get this on paper before they started so I could see how smart I think I am and see if I picked these with 100% accurately, which we all know I did. And uh, that's it. Be sure to come back Sunday. So long as I don't get sick as shit with the Rona, I will be back Sunday. If I end up having the Rona, I'll put a notice out on Twitter saying, hey, I'm not doing a show Sunday because I got the Rona and I'm sick. But uh uh, you know, one I'll get the show out here early, you know, early next week or so. But just know the whole family's got the Rona. I'm still so far dodging it. Uh, and if I don't do a show Sunday, it's because the Rona bit me in the ass. And then I have to recover before I do the recap show, which I'll do Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, depending on how I feel. So that is it. It's going to be a great weekend of lacrosse. We'll probably get in, and in the recap show, I'll probably even cover some D3 games and things of that sort as well. D3, D2, all that crap. Try to make it a really big show so long as I don't get the Rona. And uh, so that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Hoost is out.